Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast for your favorite, your favorite segments that we do. And we don't do many segments because... They're not great, usually. This is our only segment. Well, we used to do bad advice for like 352 episodes. Yeah, we, we ran that out of... Highway. No, I mean, we, we'll come up with... When we come up with some new bad advice, we'll bring it to you. We'll bring it to you. But we only want to bring the creme de la creme. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of not creme de la creme, um, what's the opposite of that? Like Shit. The shit of the shit. Yeah. Okay, we're going to bring you the shit of the shit this week when we, uh, we're doing our tepid takes. <laughs> now, for those who are new, this is the first time you're tuning in. Oh, buckle up. You have chosen, you have chosen a, a, a great time to join us. This is where we take news articles that Dan and I have never seen before. Reed creates this list for us. And then we sit down in front of this camera and try to talk intelligently about these things that, again, we have never seen before. So clearly, we're <laughs> the most qualified people to tell you exactly what's going on. Yes, these are not hot takes. These are tepid takes. So <laughs> buckle up. Don't. Yeah. So wherever your expectations right now are. Um, just lower. Just bring them down. Yeah. Bring them down. That'll be closer to where you, they need to be. <laughs> All right. But I, I do know there's one on this list. It's a very top one. I'm very Ooh, excited to talk about this one. Top. Not really excited isn't the right word. But it's a really good one. So here's title number or news article number one. Commercial real estate investor Matt Onofrio pleads guilty in $35.7 million bank fraud case. I don't think that 0.7 was there before. They, they put that in there. It's before increasing. it was $35 million, and now they're like 0. 0.7, 35.7. I got a couple of details on this one. I did. I read the, um, the article, and uh, it's interesting. Do you want to give us a little backstory for people who are just tuning in? We did a deep dive into this one back yeah, in December. Yeah, I'll give you the, the backstory real quick. And then I did not read this. So I'm going to lean on okay. you to explain what the hell happened in this most recent development. But uh, this individual, Matt Onofrio, we have both uh, met personally. He's in the same uh, region as us. Met him at the uh, same event that we met at, actually. Um, got into uh, triple net lease uh, deals. So this is you know office buildings, retail, that kind of stuff. And started you know, I guess kind of flipping through them really quickly and just doubling his money really quickly. And for, for a long time, for years, Anthony and I were just like, what the hell is going on? This doesn't add up. The math doesn't make sense. Um, fast forward to, I think it was the end of last year, around Thanksgiving, actually. Is that when it was? Yeah. Around uh, Thanksgiving yeah, right around last Thanksgiving. year. I think it was beginning of December. It was like right around that time. Yeah, we saw uh, some news articles breaking that uh, this individual, Matt, was um, being uh, charged with, with bank fraud. And effectively what it was was he was, uh, I guess, doctoring or allegedly was doctoring uh, appraisals, uh, purchase agreements um, to make these properties look like they are valued higher so he could get loan proceeds that weren't really justified. And there were a few other things he was doing with, fronting money for investors and getting them tied up in all these uh, loans that were going to leave them in cash flow negative territory. The big thing, I think, was forging docs to banks to get loan proceeds that he shouldn't have gotten. I think that's the 
the big thing that he was in in, in trouble for. Yeah. So they they had him for uh, three counts of bank fraud, and I can't remember. There was I remember two of them. You mentioned one. I'm going to mention the other here. I can't remember what the third one is off the top of my head now. It doesn't really matter. Um, but here's here's what ended up happening. This all went down in December, so he was he just pled guilty of one count. They dropped the two other counts. The hmm. the count that they he pled guilty to and that they got him for was he would um, transfer funds to his investors to make them look more liquid and more bankable so mm-hmm. that when they went to the bank and they said, yeah, I have the money, I can, I qualify for this loan, he would send them like a couple million dollars to make it look like they had a strong enough financial situation to justify the loan. And then Matt would, all, oh, it was also, he was putting secondary financing on these assets. So he was getting seller carrybacks and then not telling the banks about it. So those are the, those are the things. Now, what's interesting about this is he pled guilty to that charge of effectively helping investors um, qualify for loans that they otherwise wouldn't qualify for, and he has now forfeited thirty five point seven million dollars, which he had in a bank account. Oh, so this yeah, is not the penalty. Everybody. He had thirty five point seven million dollars in a bank account that they that they're taking back. So sure he showed the judge and his phone. Check this. He's like, out. you check out this. Yeah, like, look how much money I got. <laughs> he lo- this guy loved telling everybody about his net worth and all that stuff. Anyways, I don't know what he's doing now. Anyways, what's really interesting is he will not be sentenced until January of twenty twenty four. So that's like six months from now before we have any resolution of like what's the the penalty. I feel like this but, is par for the course for like the legal. It's, pace, just, it's right? so slow. It's just surprising to me. It's a full year before there's going to be a resolution. There's plenty of time to can uh, doing more fraud, right? Or run. But the the potential punishments <laughs> here is yeah. up to thirty years in prison, Ooh. a fine of one million, or twice the gain from the offense. Well, which the twice would be the like seventy be million, a lot bigger, right? Like I, I, the way I read that, I'm like, okay, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Mandatory restitution and a term of supervised release up to five years. So, wow, up to thirty. What do you think is going to happen here? Because they, no they, they dropped two of the charges. I'm guessing they dropped it so that they he would make the guilty verdict, make it easy. Yeah, just go for the win. It's a plea deal. And so I'm wondering, what do, you, what do you think well, the, the plea deal? One thing I do know, I don't know much about this. I'm the type of guy where if you say the word plaintiff, I'm going to have to Google that to figure out if that's who's getting charged <laughs> or doing the charging. I don't know much about the legal stuff, but what the I do know. The plaintiff is the, not the defendant. That one's pretty straightforward. Okay, great. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is like, I am not the guy to ask yeah, for like, how does this work? Legal stuff. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is a lot of emphasis in most cases placed on whether or not there was a history of Malice. committing crimes yeah. or if this is a first offense. And I'd be willing to bet knowing what I do know about Matt, that this is probably the first time he's ever been in a courtroom and that's probably not going to hurt. Yeah. I, I actually think that he's going to get off on this one pretty leniently in the grand scheme of things. I don't know what that means. I don't think he's going to do any prison. I think he's going to have a fine. I think he's going to have a lot of um, probation. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he's going to get prison time. Supervised release probably. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's going to spend any time I, I do think the pro- I, I, there should be a fine. Oh fuck yeah! I mean, <laughs> there should be a fine. Um, That's just kind of he still back owns a lot owe. of assets that are doing a lot of stuff. Um, it'll be. Uh, I don't know how any of this shakes out, but um, it is interesting. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It would so, be very interesting to have been a fly on the wall for these. I don't have the time to allocate to just sitting in a courtroom. Yeah, don't care. But it would have been really interesting to kind of see what I don't know if he had a side to to, to his side of the story if there was one. 
Yeah, I, I don't mean, think there. I don't think he probably had a compelling side of the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gonna. We'll have to wait until January to see what comes of this. But uh, okay, tip and take number two. Mm. More positive note: Minnesota now ranks fifth among America's top states for businesses oh. by CNBC. Take that, Texas. Minnesota moved up from ninth on the list to, to list to knock out Texas for the fifth place. Uh-huh. Take that, Texas. Stupid Texas. Boom. Look at you, Reed. Boom. Minnesota Just ranks. Let's like let's that. go through these. Uh, Minnesota ranks fourth in life, health, and inclusion. Fourth in tech and innovation. Third in infrastructure. Thirteenth in education. We're a little slow. And seventeenth in both workforce and cost of living. Uh, sorry, what place for? Seventeenth. No, no, not great. Uh, yeah, I mean seventeenth out of fifty-ish. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So business one, I think the business, I think, I mean, we've heard us say it a lot. We've, we've got a lot of Fortune 500 companies per capita. That, that's got to have something to do with it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they come up with these. I don't things. know how they come up with this either. Because honestly, if you asked me before this, I, I don't really consider. Infrastructure? Okay. I've got some notes on that one. Yeah. There I would like to talk to beautiful. whoever is like putting, is, is it, are we doing well just because everybody else sucks? <laughs> that could be. That could be. Like, that might have something to do with it. I mean, um, tech I and really, innovation? I, mean, I never really thought of us as being like super business friendly. But I mean that from a political perspective, we're 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 not the most red state. Yeah. So I don't know. So that's what's made, I think that's the most interesting thing. I would be I'd love to know who are the top four cities on this list. My guess is that they probably skew redder. I would assume, at least well, for like the business piece. What else could it even be? Florida, maybe? Read look this up. Uh and we get Get, get yourself a microphone. Reed is not Jamie. Hey, uh, Jamie? Is that, that's uh, <laughs> Joe Rogan. Rogan. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is good. It's something that we've been talking about. I had a, a call with an investor just a couple minutes before we got on this this um, recording. And he was like, tell me about Minnesota. I don't know anything about it. Um, he's like, truthfully. Did you when just I, read this entire article? I though? did. I did. I was like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I didn't know about this article at that moment. Otherwise, I would have cited it. But he... He was like, his his impress, impression of Minnesota or Minneapolis was, he's like, I'm surprised you guys have a strong multifamily industry there because when I think of Minnesota, I just kind of assume everybody owns their own house. He's like, oh, okay. Why? Well, I think we just kind of give like bumpkin vibes maybe. Oh, I don't know. Okay. But, uh, he's picturing like but, a bunch of like old women in sweaters named Carol. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the truth is like Minnesota is like very economically diverse, very strong and... Uh, a lot of demand. So when these types of things come out, these types of reports takes people by surprise. Never surprises us though. Yeah. Except for the business and infrastructure one. Like, what the hell? Yeah, that one is. That's yeah. a little weird. Okay, right. number one. okay so North Carolina is number one. Reed is reading some stats. Virginia. Oh, great. Virginia. Tennessee. Tennessee. Georgia. Okay, so those are all red. Those are all red, red, red. And that was for the business one? Most favorable. Okay, so Minnesota is probably interesting. Well, Minis- this is Minnesota, not Minneapolis. And Minnesota is outside of Minneapolis. Pretty That's red. true. Yeah, it's pretty dang It's red. pretty much a red state with we're a, a blue state. dot. Yeah, and uh, in Minneapolis, we're, we're a big purple state. So <laughs> I, I don't have enough data here. Anyways, should we move on? Let's do it. All right. Um, BlackRock files for spot Bitcoin ETF with Coinboy- Coinbase. Coinbase. As we, a crypto we, custodian. We, we. Yeah, this one's, uh, this What's one's this about? all over the news. I don't even know what this is. Greedy. Uh, asset management giant BlackRock took the first steps Thursday to launch a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund, which has long been a point of contention between crypto advocates and federal regulators. If approved, the ETF would allow easy access for investors to get exposure to crypto in a product form one of Wall Street's largest, oh, in a product from one of Wall Street's largest companies. 
So it's a way, I think, to make crypto more, more broadly ac uh, accessible to people who go the more traditional route of like um, ETFs and yeah. index funds. Uh, first, I want to uh, correct something I said probably about a month to two months ago on another episode where we brought up crypto and I said that Vanguard was launching uh, the ability to buy and sell crypto on their platform. Oh. That's incorrect. It was Fidelity, not Vanguard. Okay. So just okay. wanted to get that out. It was bugging me that I said Vanguard. It's not Vanguard, it's Fidelity. Anyways, equally as is, is, uh, important because once these large institutions like Fidelity, BlackRock uh, start to adopt this, it's uh, going to bring a lot more demand into the space and should help the price point. And this is especially interesting right now because of what's been going on with Coinbase. Obviously, this ecosystem has been getting kicked in the face on a yes. regular basis for the last couple of years. And... Very recently, we've got um, CZ and um, uh, Binance uh, under the scrutiny of the, I believe it's the SEC, saying that they are selling securities and they've got to stop doing that to U.S. investors. But in that suit, what the SEC called out was that, oh, by the way, Bitcoin is not a security, that's a commodity. Mm. That combined with the fact that BlackRock, keyword here, Bitcoin, nothing else, yep. is uh, utilizing Coinbase, who has also been catching some heat, yeah, uh, it, it really just kind of solidifies that if you want to play this market, you can do all the other stuff. It's probably going to have to all be offshore at some point. But Bitcoin and Coinbase are basically the two local places where you could probably put money in this ecosystem and not have to worry about the laws changing against you. Mm -hmm. Because it's very clear Bitcoin is over here. Everything else crypto is over here. And BlackRock and Coinbase kind of teaming up should make sure that Coinbase is in a good position going forward because for the last couple months, they've been catching some heat too. Yeah. So. Yeah, BlackRock kind of um, piggybacking on this is only a good thing for Coinbase, right? Having kind of that big institutional level kind of like. Yeah, they don't have it. to worry about anything now. Yeah, that, that's, that's very good. As long as they don't sell other uh, coins on their platform. They're going to be good. They're probably going to have to stop doing a lot of the other crypto stuff that they're doing. You think they will? Yeah. Okay. Because everything else has turned into a security. It, it's not not yet. It will be. Mm. Maybe Ethereum. That's the only one that's kind of like maybe, maybe not. But it's been very clear that Bitcoin is being treated as a commodity according to the SEC. Do you know the rationale for that? Like what makes because, Bitcoin different uh, than the rise? Satoshi Nakamoto uh, was the U.S. government. Boom! <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's that's conspiracy theory for the people at home who are like, "Oh my!" It is God. because it's an anonymous person that created it and then disappeared and never uh, benefited from it. So I don't think that's what's actually going on. But I think that the uh, U.S. government isn't going to be able to stop this entirely. So they're basically just picking the one that kind of makes the most sense for them. Maybe I don't know. Interesting. I haven't spent much time thinking about why, but it's pretty clear. Yeah. So <laughs> I haven't I haven't dug into this. Uh, got no opinion, but it's interesting times for crypto. It's been interesting times the last three years. For for every every three months, it's a I mean, different. Nothing's happened. It's like a different reason why it's an extra, uh, interesting time. Yeah, yeah. It's normal. Been, nothing. It's been kind of a boring. Well, it's normal for crypto. I mean, yeah. their entire crypto's entire lifespan has been. With this said, I would not be rushing into um, redeploy capital here. I think it's going to be a bumpy road in crypto in general, even Bitcoin. Um, My approach. With that said, I just I did just buy some more. What'd you buy in at? 
I can't remember. It was uh, whatever the price was, middle of the day on. Below 65K? <laughs> this was like last <laughs> week, I think. <laughs> um, no, 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 I remember now because it was uh, in anticipation of a break above 31,000 because that's a pretty significant resistance point. We're still just shy of it. But no, I think we actually popped up uh, over that with the CPI data yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it's just a short-term thing for me. I'm not like, this is going straight back to 60. It's going to be a rocky road. Do you think it's going to be a while until it gets to a million? You're not blagy I don't give yet. a fuck. I'm just trying to look at like the next month and see if there's some... <laughs> Some alpha I can grab. And it turns out Balaji with his uh, million dollar Bitcoin bet. I forgot about that. Was wrong. But he he also knew he was going to be wrong. He did it more for. He just wanted us to talk about publicity. And it worked. Okay. uh, Oh, the next one is also BlackRock. Okay. So on the notes here, readers. We got to get you a mic, man. People Um, are missing out on this gold. Yeah. So the next one, it says BlackRock. I don't know. That's a a lie. I see a different word here. BlackRock, not Blackstone, the other black Mm. one, uh, announces major asset liquidations as redemption request for its REIT continue. Recently making news for exercising a clause that restricted owner withdrawals for several consecutive months, BlackRock's opportunistic funds recently announced a sales of $3.1 billion worth of its industrial real estate portfolio. It is also rumored to be considering a sale of its Las Vegas portfolio. Wow. What it, so what's underlying this? And uh, should we make the jump into industrial? Sounds like there might be some opportunities there. Some buying. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's in it. I, w- I almost am kind of leaning towards like, hey, maybe this thing was b- performing really well. And that's why people are doing it. Because they need liquidity and they don't want to sell what... I mean, kind of like how... Um, you don't sell your losses. Well, I mean, if you need, if you're getting capital calls elsewhere because you're having issues, you go to the thing that's actually um, doing well to, to get the get liquidity the you need. So maybe that's what's happening. But you go where know. you go where you actually have equity. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there was something similar. I don't know if this is the same thing, but there was something similar like what six eight months ago um, with the uh, stuff in California. I can't remember if it was BlackRock again who had a REIT that was like all student, or no, there was a big like university fund. Do you remember what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, yeah, I don't have enough pieces for it to make sense to listeners, so I'm just going to skip do you, this. Do you have any but, insight in here as to why they restricted owner withdrawals for several consecutive months? And in, is the liquidating the portfolio an attempt to be able to get back onto the uh, dividend train or like what's happened there? I don't know. I think the REITs limiting withdrawals is not uncommon. I mean, in our deals, you can't sell uh, within the first 12 months. So it could just be an arbitrary rule that for the this period of time, you can't withdraw. And then there's periods of time where uh, they open up to uh, withdrawals. Well, withdrawals. I think the, the part that's interesting there is that they, they recently made news for exercising a clause that restricted. So it implies mm-hmm. to me that before they weren't. That this was like somewhere in the fine print, maybe, oh. and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna put a pause on this." So historically, that wasn't the case of however they were performing. I'm not sure what. I don't have enough data here. I don't. I got a paragraph, people. You know exactly as much as I do. I mean, yeah. I mean, I that's more not, data. That's not a good look if you are typically cool with people taking money out, and then you say, "No, you can't." Like, that's. I can see why that would be cause for concern. It's questionable. Yeah. Questionable. So, I don't uh, know. Then they're going to consider selling their entire Las Vegas portfolio. Um, That's weird because I feel like that is probably not doing poorly. I would have to assume not. I mean, Why would you? I don't know. 
I don't got enough data on this one to be able to say anything, but it does seem weird. It is a bummer that it, they have to sell, it sounds like, to be able to get back onto this, uh, the train of being able to make redemptions or issue it re- redemptions as per requested. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. All right, last one. Uh, Bezos-backed startup lets you become a landlord with just $100. What? Okay, so whenever first, uh, let me read this. <laughs> it's a big paragraph, people. Buckle up. Bezos-backed Arrived Homes. Arrived Homes is the name of the company. It's Bezos-backed. <laughs> Jeff Bezos of uh, Amazon fame. It, um, Arrived Homes is a company that lets users buy shares of America's top properties for as little as $100. With over 100,000 investors so far, Arrived purchases... Arrived purchases single-family rentals in up-and-coming neighborhoods and grants its users the opportunity to buy shares of any individual property that gains their trust. Investors then earn... Okay, so this is just um, a a, a reggae syndicated model where you can buy into single-family homes, effectively. This is just a crowd... This is just Invictus called Arrived Homes with Jeff Bezos' backing and... Grant Cardone style where you can invest as little as a hundred bucks. I think it sounds a lot like Fundrise or Masterworks. Well, like where it's like, oh, we're all going to buy together this painting for you put in 20 bucks. Yeah. So Fundrise, I think, is specifically a lot of single family homes. I think it's like this exact model, more or less. And I watched uh, Graham Stefan do a really deep dive on Fundrise. Like you read all the disclosures, all the things, got all the fee data. And like, I mean, it sounds great because the barrier to entry is low. And, but I think when it comes down to it, there's a ton of fees that get thrown in here. So like your actual rate of return probably isn't going to be that great compared to just maybe buying some Apple stock. This seems like a REIT in a lot of ways. It's like a shitty REIT, but I think what's going to happen is you're not getting... Um, kind of like Fundrise and kind of like a REIT. You're not really getting a lot of the benefits that come with real estate. You're not getting depreciation. Uh, any cash flow, if you get it, isn't going to be cash flow. It's going to be effectively a dividend. So you're going to get taxed on that differently. And there's all these fees that eat away most of the upside. So you might like, it's going to be like a, a lame stock, but it's cool. Like if you want to say like you are investing in real estate and you only have a hundred dollars, like this is probably your only option. So, yeah, I, um, I always wonder when they say things like Bezos backed and I'm like, what's that even mean? Did he, how much did he put in? It's Does a startup like, and he put some money. Yeah, it doesn't he, like it's not like he's running this thing. He's he didn't stamp this with his approval or anything no. like that. So just be no. careful out there. People, this this company is called Arrived Homes. Terrible, 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 terrible name. That that whole paragraph was a freaking tongue twister. I don't it was know a hard. It. it was a hard one. But 100,000 investors so far. So well done. Bezos backed company called Arrived Homes. Yes, I mean I'm sure I'm sure he got a little uh, appreciation in the in the company. I mean, anytime you could just say Bezos backed but the value you, of the company. But do you think that up. even like shifted his net worth by even a percent? He doesn't even know he has money there. His his <laughs> yeah. his manager put it in. He has no idea that that's Bezos backed. Yeah. This <laughs> what's funny about this is like this company could like a hundred X probably go to a, a billion dollar valuation and it it wouldn't it probably wouldn't touch. Bezos's net worth in any meaningful he way. He would still not even know it exists. He's like, that's a rounding error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's, it's a lot of money guys. that man's got. Like the, the amount that their net worth moves in like a day. I love yeah. it when they're like, oh, Elon Musk's net worth dropped by $15 billion. Like, These guys don't give a shit. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. 
Like, now they do care if they're gonna need to tap that. Like if you're trying to buy Twitter, that's probably like the one time. Yeah. Musk is like, oh, what, what is? How much uh, marginal can I get today? Oh shit, I'm down 15 billion. Son of a bitch. Otherwise, I don't think these guys really pay. They're not losing show. sleep over this. Yeah. Anywho, that's our tepid takes. Which one? Which one do you think was the most interesting? Uh, I feel like we were most excited about the first one because we know about it. Yeah. I like the second one. About, uh, I'm sorry. The, the Onofrio one was probably the one we, we came in with most gusto on. The Minnesota one was fun because it's positive and we love to brag. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Those were all right. Yeah, yeah, but fine. what did you, the listener, think? Which one was your favorite takeaway? Let us know. Go leave a review or comment. Find us on YouTube. Hit the like button, the subscribe, the bell um, to be notified of all the things that we do. Are there more buttons? Do. Any button you can find, just keep pushing. Yeah. Just keep pushing buttons until uh, the next X. episode starts, and then stop pushing buttons. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and tune uh, in. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.